Ameda Ena Salinas, software engineer and host of the Women in Tech Show, a podcast where we talk about what we work on, not what it feels like to be a woman in tech. For more information about the show, go to wit.fm. Many applications we use are distributed systems. Some examples are ATM systems, social media, and currency trading. Depending on the type of application, we might need to process system events in a causal order. Ali Cabral, Lead Product Manager at MongoDB, explained how causal order is implemented in a database system. We talked about several design implementations that she and her team at MongoDB considered. Ali also explained concepts like distributed systems, clock synchronization, and dependency tracking. Before we begin with the interview, I want to thank MongoDB for being a sponsor of the show. MongoDB is one of the most popular databases used across many modern applications. This May, they're hosting an event in New York City called MongoDB World. This is a three-day educational conference from May 4 to May 6. With over 100 sessions, tutorials, and workshops, you can grow your technical skills in MongoDB. There will be sessions about database sharding, transactions, aggregation, and more. Other sessions will cover topics in product management, diversity and inclusion, career paths, and more. At MongoDB World, you'll be a part of community events like meetups, networking, and mentoring. Check out MongoDB World on May 4 to May 6 in New York City. They're also giving you a 40% discount on a ticket using the promo code WITSHOW. That's W-I-T SHOW. To get a ticket, go to mongodb.com world and use promo code WITSHOW. Thanks, MongoDB, for being a sponsor. Ali Cabral, Lead Product Manager at MongoDB, is joining us today. Ali, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Yes, I'm excited to have you on the show. And we're going to talk about one of the papers you co-author titled Implementation of a Clustered-Wide Logical Clock and Casual Consistency in MongoDB. There are a lot of words in this title that some listeners might not be familiar with. So I want to go through the process of doing this cluster-wide logical clock by clarifying some terms and getting a sense of the importance of this work. First, I want to begin with a quick overview about databases. You work at MongoDB, which is known as a NoSQL database. So I want to begin with this. What does NoSQL database mean? So let's start where every story starts from the beginning, right? So in this market, every company is a software company. And in order to kind of keep up with the competitive market, you have to develop software quickly with a competitive edge. And data is really the lifeblood of every application. This means that picking your database is critical to your business, right? It could mean whether you succeed or fail, right? It, it kind of helps uh, decide how quickly you can, you know, 
keep up with the market as you need to. And the problem is that most databases on the market today were designed nearly 40 years ago, right? Before we had commoditized hardware in the cloud, before we had mobile development, really, before we had the internet, and really before we had picky users that had demands on SLAs. So a lot of the traditional databases that often people refer to as SQL databases or relational databases were designed with that kind of world in mind. Now, MongoDB is the most popular modern global database platform. And um, as you mentioned, some people refer to that as like a NoSQL database. Though for me, I have a slight problem with the the term NoSQL because it's kind of a weird way to describe a product, right? You're saying the product is not something. Well, then what is it? And for MongoDB, I like to refer to it as a document database because that kind of highlights the flexibility here. So before in these relational systems, SQL world, you had to have a rigid schema, right? Some kind of rule set um, that defined the relationship of the data across the system. And MongoDB, the relationships in the system are actually entirely flexible. They can change as quickly as you need them to. So like you can add a new field to a document without having to worry about doing a rigid schema change across your entire system. You can kind of keep up with the pace that your users expect by just leveraging the flexibility there. That's how I would describe these NoSQL players. I would refer to them as document databases. Exactly. So you're mentioning in the older style of database, you're talking about this rigid schema where you had to specify a direct relationship. And some examples that I can think of is you have your database, let's say it's, you know, about books and people. So you're specifying each person can have X number of books or maybe just one, but that's the fix kind of relationship you are referring to, right? Right, exactly. And then let's say that that company then wanted to go and add movies or start selling movies. And those movies have titles and directors instead of authors. Like, how does that fit into this new model? And um, like keeping up with those changes and how companies pivot and like move at the pace that their users expect uh, demands this kind of flexibility now. Yeah, which is the style of MongoDB, more flexible, document-based, can change and adapt as you change your system. Right. I think sometimes because people refer to these legacy databases as like relational technologies, they think that MongoDB isn't good at relationships. But in fact, like having rich nested structures within a document is one way to richly define relationships in MongoDB. But we actually also have like your typical joins across documents. You're not actually losing that relationship building either by using a product like this. Okay. I want to talk now about some of the core concepts of this work that that you did at MongoDB, the main one being that in addition to being in the domain of databases and MongoDB, we're dealing with distributed systems. And I want to begin this by just quoting a piece of this research, which says, many operations require observing events in the causal order. What does this mean? Like, when will we want to observe events in causal order? Absolutely. So causal order is like cause and effect, right? So if you have something happen in the system, it's the guarantee that you see the result of that uh, modification. So for example, like, let's say I go to post on Twitter or like my social media. If I go and post, which is like doing a write, 
And then I want to kind of refresh the page. We're, what we're talking about here is the guarantee that if that post succeeded, that I see the post, right? Regardless of which node I contact. Now in a distributed system, this can't be taken for granted. Now in a single node system, like where all of these legacy players were in the old world without the cloud, like you were only reading and writing to a single node. So of course you would read the write, right? Because you're only going to one place. But however, like in a distributed system where you're replicating writes across an entire set of nodes that are distributed globally, that's not a guarantee you can take for granted. You can read from any node, and it's not guaranteed to have the result of your write necessarily. So what this could result in is, like, for my Twitter account, it could mean that I double post, right? So I make a post on Twitter, and then I don't read the post, and that would result in me posting again. And I could post twice. And we've all kind of experienced anomalies like this in our software. But some applications can't have that kind of anomaly. Like whether that uh, section action would just be too detrimental to a user, like whether that means I'm going to withdraw money twice or do some other kind of privileged action twice. We don't want a user to have to do that. Um, when we're not presenting the user the correct information, they'll often act in the wrong way or in an unexpected way. Yes, and you talk about how this is very simple if we're dealing with a single node system, which we can think of like a single machine. What is the motivation then of having this distributed system and dealing with multiple nodes? Why can we not just have a single node system? Right. I think the answer is, as humans, we want it all. So... With what a single node can't give you is low latency access across the globe. So if I have users in Sydney and if I have users in California or if I have users in New York, all concurrently, all simultaneously, a single node system has to be hosted somewhere. And whether that location I decide is in the East Coast, well, my Australian users are going to have really bad user experience, right? They're not going to have low latency access to that data. So a natural answer to that in MongoDB would be to add a replica member in Sydney that, that people can locally read from and have a high user experience in that region. Now, of course, these benefits that you're giving your users, this better user experience, comes with some complexity in writing an application. Now, this project here was about removing as much of that complexity as possible, right? We want it to be as simple as developing against a single node system. And with this project, it is. Exactly. And what it basically is, is we're taking the causal order and we're trying to implement this in MongoDB. Is that correct? Yes. So causal consistency is about first defining the order in the entire system. So there has to be an order of events in order to guarantee to, you know, only see go uh, events going forward. So first it's about defining the order, and then it's about making sure that we adhere to that order as far as the client's concerned. From the client's perspective, we continually adhere to the order. Exactly. And I wanted to mention that there were already applications using MongoDB as one of the most popular systems. Even before this work was implemented in MongoDB, even before it had causal consistency support, why did this support need it to be added? I'm just trying to understand like the use case or the motivation behind adding this. Yeah, absolutely. So there are a couple of answers on what like previous applications had to do. So one, if you needed to kind of always read your own rights in the behavior that I expected, 
or that I'm stating here, then you would read and write from the primary. And in that way, you can kind of like mimic the development of a single node system, at least for certain features within the system. So then you would decide which features need that guarantee and which features don't in your application. It was on the developer to kind of decide and think about these hard problems. Now, there are also just some applications that don't have these kinds of requirements. Um, This is a pretty rare anomaly. Most of the time, replication is quick enough where users wouldn't notice if like going back to the Twitter the Twitter example that I used, the time between me writing the post and replicating the post across the globe, I would have to kind of refresh within that time window. And that time window is often fairly small. We're talking milliseconds. So often like different types of applications are kind of okay and aware of um, this kind of anomaly. But the motivation for this project was to do is to make it so that it's just doesn't even need to be a consideration going forward, right? You can just use causal consistency if you think um, your application should have this kind of behavior and you want to avoid any anomalies, period. And we are built in a way, MongoDB is built in a way where we could actually deliver this in our distributed system across the board. And we're in a pretty unique position to do that. So we felt like it was a really good opportunity for us. Yes. And then the users won't have to have their own work around that mimics this main idea, which is what you said they were doing at the beginning. Exactly. I don't want them to even have to think about this more than, you know, spending five minutes learning about this feature. I would prefer them spend as much time as possible just building applications, right? MongoDB is about removing friction from all other areas that aren't delivering uh, value to your users. Earlier, you mentioned that causal consistency at its core is about defining the order of events and also making sure we adhere to this order. One of the things I read in this paper, and I'm just going to quote again, it said, it's too expensive for modern applications to track all possible causal dependencies in production systems. Why can this be expensive? So in that statement, what it means is if we treated every event in the system, so every single write coming into the database as related to other writes or other reads, let's say that I had um, in MongoDB, we have sharding, which is basically how you partition when the data size for one node grows beyond the capability of the machine. So like how you partition is called sharding. Now, let's say I have a 10 shard cluster that has 30 terabytes across these 10 shards. If I treat every read and write as if it were related across all of these machines, I have to spend the time and performance on every read to guarantee that every shard I have the latest data from, even if I'm not even touching those shards, even if I'm not even related to that work. So having to coordinate or having to globally coordinate causal order is something that is kind of performance hindering on that scale. Now, what we do is slightly different. It's um, explicit dependency tracking. Now, we do have a way to do this explicit dependency tracking for you in sharded clusters, even across any node and across any partition, but we don't treat every read and write as if they were related. Got it. I want to move on now to a discussion about some of the design implementation choices At its core, there were various areas like the type of clock, the dependency tracking, clock synchronization, and then we also have security and performance. I want to begin with the type of clock, and if you first could clarify 
what does it mean by clock in the context of this system? Yeah, so for MongoDB, we can run on any infrastructure. So physical time, like the the clock of the machine, is not actually something we can rely on. So like, let's say that you have three nodes in your replica set. Well, those machines don't have to agree on what time it is. Maybe they're five minutes off of each other. Maybe they're five milliseconds off of each other. Well, MongoDB doesn't enforce any guarantee of minimal clock skew across those machines. So when we're talking about a clock, we're actually talking about a logical clock. And what a logical clock is, is completely divorced from physical time and is about modifications or changes that happen in the system. So every time a modification comes into the database, we increment logical time. So let's say that one write happens at time one, and then 10 minutes later, another write happens. Well, that would be time two. Even though 10 minutes passed, it would still be time two. And then let's say five seconds later, another write comes in. Well, that would be time three. So it's unrelated to physical time, but it shows the incremental order of events. And we use that increment to progress time. Why is it that this, for this application, is suitable to have a logical clock versus a clock that is, you know, bounded to physical time? Like you said, instead of saying, for example, two o'clock, we just say time three. It doesn't mean three o'clock, it's just logical. What is it about this type of logical clocks. Yeah, so logical clocks are just the only trusted source in a distributed system because you can't rely on a machine's impression of physical time because we don't require you to use like any kind of clock syncing technology across your infrastructure. So we can't rely on that physical time. Now, in MongoDB's implementation in practice, we actually use an increment complemented with a physical time, but it's only because that's a nice to have. Often, like if people are looking at logs, they'll like want to see at least the machine's physical time and things like that. So we actually do attach it to it, but we really pay attention to the increment, right? Like, and trusting the logical time progression. Another component in this design choices was dependency tracking. Can you explain what this consisted of? Yes. So dependency tracking is really how you track related operations in the system. Now, we talked earlier about doing global dependency tracking is performance hindering, right? Just not suitable for many applications. Now, there are other types of dependency tracking, like explicit dependency tracking, where you have the client send the last time it cared about so that it tells you what events it is related to, right? So like if I have this works in MongoDB, is if I do a write, the primary will respond with a cluster time, which is that hybrid logical time that that write occurred at. And then when I send my next read, I would send along that time to whatever node I'm talking to. And I wouldn't respond to the read until I've replicated up until that time. So this is kind of a way for the client to explicitly tell the server what dependency tracking it cares about, as opposed to needing to wait for every write to be committed on that secondary period and stopping all blocking all writes on the primary until that read was serviced, right? That makes a very, uh, that creates a bottleneck in the system and is really performance hindering. So explicit dependency tracking is about allowing the client, which is the application, to tell the server what relationships it has. Now, for us in MongoDB, the drivers actually take care of this for you. So if you just open a session in 
MongoDB, like you just open explicit session and then do some CRUD operations like multiple reads or whatever, we actually keep track of the cluster time for you, send that to the servers, and then respond with the appropriate results. Got it. Next comes the clock synchronization. Is this piece related to the logical clocks that we were talking about earlier? Yes. So this is really related to uh, clock synchronization across partitions. So we wanted to be able to deliver a global concept of causal ordering. Um, and MongoDB, you're not just constrained to, to one set of nodes for all of your data. You can actually have partitions of data. And like a partition example is like names A through, you know, C live on this shard, and then D through F live on this other shard, and so on, right? So you can have your data split up in that way, and you have separate partitions. But we wanted to be able to create causal ordering across those partitions. So we had to come up with a scheme to synchronize the clock across the shards. And the scheme here is around gossiping across the entire system. So all of the, everyone's impression of the latest hybrid logical time is gossiped in every operation it does. And then shards, which are partitions, will jump to the latest time they've seen and then increment from there. Just wanted to do a quick recap. So the ones we've talked about is the clock component. We're describing logical clocks. It's not necessarily you know, attached to like, well, it's not necessarily reflecting physical time. It's more like a counter, but we can also attach a physical time notion to it for the purpose of, you know, having meaningful log messages. Then we talked about dependency tracking, how you know, the choice in this case was explicit versus needing to wait to know about it. So it's explicit dependencies. And then now we're just talking about clock synchronization and how this is used with gossiping to just inform um, the other components, right? The other partitions. Yep. Okay. Lastly, we have uh, both security and performance. In terms of security, I know this is a really broad area, but at its core, what are some of the main examples of security risks that need to be considered when we're trying to implement causal consistency? in MongoDB. Right. So when we were implementing it in the server itself, we had the fear that a malicious actor, like a malicious application or a malicious client could increment time to the end of time minus one and into a place where the machine or like the process could no longer increment time, could no longer progress time. So what we did was we actually sign time ranges with like keys that only the primary shard has. And so your cluster is kind of protected from malicious actors coming in and trying to artificially increment time forward. That was like a big part of the project that we focused on. What about in terms of performance? What are examples of metrics that can be very meaningful to evaluate this implementation? of causal consistency? Yes. So one of the things that's most important to look at is how long does it normally take to replicate a write to any secondary in the set? So like let all of the writes in MongoDB come into the primary and then get replicated to some number of secondaries. That replication lag is a really important metric because of course, you're not going to be able to service a write from a node until you've gotten the write from the primary. Right. So keeping track of how long that normally takes helps us 
understand how long it might be, how long we might be stalled waiting for a causally consistent read on a specific node. And that was one of the most important metrics for this project. Throughout this work, as I'm reading the paper, I'm going over each of the sections we talked about, and there's also other potential choices that could have been made for this area. Can you talk a bit about the process of doing this research and evaluating technologies and collaborating with with some of your peers on this? What's sort of the, the dynamic for this type of project? Yeah, so for my role in this project, I was an M, the lead product manager on the core server. I focus on distributed systems. So I work with the distributed systems engineering team. And this was a team led, or this was a project led by the sharding team um, at MongoDB. And what we did was really evaluate the current literature, everyone who's built these things. One of the most cited papers in distributed systems period is Leslie Lamport's clock, basically the Lamport clock paper. It's something that I recommend everyone read. And it's something, of course, we that's where we started, right? That's where we began in, in this research. And there's been a lot of research in academia about this kind of implementation. Now, what MongoDB had to do, kind of the the extension upon this is all of the stuff about bringing it to market. So we had to make sure that whatever clock choice we chose was going to scale. We had to make sure that the security was really, really good and that users weren't going to shoot themselves in the foot if they started using this feature. And then we had to make sure the performance was there. Got it. And in terms of developing this, would you say that people were in charge of one particular area or like there will be somebody you know just investigating like the types of clocks or is it a very collaborative effort where people are constantly sharing their findings talking about ideas uh, just sort of to get an idea of the the flow of this kind of project yeah absolutely so there was definitely a project leader and that was misha he's the primary author on that paper but misha collaborated with all of us on the distributed systems team to kind of get to the right answers but he was the one ultimately responsible for the design and implementation of this in terms of the backgrounds of people in the team can you talk a bit about that like does this involve software engineers or researchers people that came from academia just to get a sense of the kind of skill sets that went on into you know researching this or the backgrounds of people Yes. So we have a good mix of of both of those. So both industry and academia. And I think you kind of need it because it's one thing to develop something in academia and it's another to kind of bring it to market in a widely used product. And I think that the team that we worked with here has a super diverse skill set where we kind of learn from each other in those ways. Um, I think that everyone who's coming from a more researchy background has a lot to add to the conversation and everyone coming from an industry background has like a different set of things, completely different, distinct set of things to add to these conversations. And that's what leads us to better product decisions, right, is having that diverse group. Exactly. That's correct. And I guess I get the sense that, for example, some of the areas that can be more related to the product are the performance component and the security component, right? Yep, absolutely. Okay. Well, Ali, thank you for taking the time to come on the show and giving a really clear explanation of 
this project about implementing cluster-wide logical clocks and causal consistency in MongoDB. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you.